for never giving up on us. We thank you that your love never fails us. We just worship you this morning with our lives and our mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. get you going uh, for dares and uh, getting ready to feed bearded dragons and such things like that. But uh, I could tell we had a bearded dragon out there because uh, nobody was in here when we started and uh, everybody wanted to see him eat the uh, roaches and stuff. So anyway, but we're glad to have you here um, for our Double Dog Dare series. Today we have the second week of our Double Dog Dare series and, and it's very simple. What we're doing is over the next few weeks, we are giving you smart dares, not stupid dares, not like the dares that you did when you were kids. I dare you to eat, you know, the, the roach, like the bearded dragon or something like that. But we, we are putting smart dares in front of you, dares that we know if you accept, if you take these dares on and you really take them to heart and you go after them, we know that you will end up with the life that you've always wanted and the life that God created you for. And so that is what this whole series is about, is giving us smart dares, and we're going to be talking about that. So, uh, but before we get too deep into it, those of you who are here for the very first time, I know we have several of you, you've never been here, uh, here to Northridge before, so you're first time guests. We want you to know a couple of things. One, we want to say welcome. We're really, really glad to have you here. Uh, but then the second thing that we want you to know is this, this is a safe place for you. It's a safe place for you. No matter where you're at with God, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, maybe you've just kind of getting back into it, maybe you just started a relationship with Jesus. We've had a few of you just recently that have done that. Uh, or maybe you're here and you would honestly say, uh, I don't know where I'm at with God. I don't even know what I think about God. I'm not sure if I believe in God or the Bible. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, this is a safe place for you. And we want you to know that because it's really important to us and we know it's important to you. And it's really important to God. And so we're glad to have you here. Um, so when you came in this morning, uh, we're going to just jump right in. You, got, you have a piece of paper on your, on, your, uh, on your chair there, and you should have had a pen. So everybody should have something to write with. I need everybody to get that green piece of paper out because you all need to get involved in this. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, 
And I want you to answer this question on that piece of paper. There is a reason for this because throughout the morning we're going to be talking about um, what to do about this. But I, I want to start this way so that we have it down so that we kind of can have it uh, on our minds and also just kind of have it done. So I want to ask you a question. I want you to write this down. Now, it, something's going to come into your head maybe right away. Some of you are maybe like me and you have to mull it over for a few seconds or if you're like me, a few minutes, sometimes a few days. All right. But uh, I want you to mull this over and you're going to have to be a little quicker if you're like me because I am a slow processor and, and you're going to have to be a little quicker because we need you to write this down. So here's the question I want you to answer. What could or what should I do to increase my faith or, and or to build my relationship with God? Now, before you start writing, some of you already know, like it popped in your head and <laughs> done deal. God's been talking to me about this for years, all right, uh, or days or whatever. But let me just throw out some possibilities. I, I, this, this could be practical. It could be something as simple as I need to read my Bible more consistently or every day. Maybe that's you. Maybe you never open your Bible and you know you need to get into God's Word. Maybe it's to pray more often. Maybe when uh, Tanya was talking about life groups, again, this happens every year to you, and you feel like, I should join a life group. I'm just scared to death to do it. And I don't want to. But you know you should. And maybe that's one of those things. Maybe that's the answer to this question. Maybe attending church a little bit more regularly. Maybe it's um, serving at, at a church. Maybe this is your church. If North is your church, we encourage you to do that. Uh, we had probably 20 different people that were setting up and doing things this morning to get everything ready this morning. We have hundreds of things that have to happen on a weekly basis, not just on Sundays. And so you can get involved. There's a lot of things, but maybe it's not any of things on that list. I don't want to throw, I, I don't want to throw any more out because I don't want to force ideas on you. But maybe when I said this question, something popped into your head or maybe something's starting to pop into your head now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write that down. It could be one thing. It could be three things. It does not matter. I want you to write that down. What is it that you feel you could or you should do to increase your faith, to build your relationship with God? Something practical, something that you know you should do. Try to be as specific as possible. I'll give you a second to just write that down. You know, I can just, I can just stand up here and jab for a while. You know that. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So you can, you can toss that down. But just think about whatever it is. Jot it down. Once you have that written down, what I want you to do with it is I want you to either, you can either turn it over, you can fold it, stick it in your pocket, but you need to hold on to it and you need to have it available for the very end of the message because we're going we're gonna to talk about that at the end. So just hold on to it, keep it in a safe place, and we'll come back to it. So I want to start this morning by giving you a science thought. This is actually a term that we've talked about here at Northridge. In fact, we did a series where we talked about this term um, a little bit. And so I want to bring it back because I want to bring it up again because it applies to what we're talking about today. Uh, the word is inertia. Inertia. Now, if you remember science or you remember physics class, you probably remember the definition or some semblance of an idea of what inertia is. But let me just give you what would generally be the textbook version of inertia. This is what it would say. The resistance of anything to any change in its current state of rest or current motion and path. 
It's the resistance of anything to any change in, in, in its current state of rest, if it's sitting still or if it's moving. Now, I don't know about you, but physics textbooks were always like, um, what? That's, that's what I did a lot when I would read those. I'd go, huh? I don't know what that really is trying to say. So let me give you a different definition, one that I want us to work with. It really is saying the same thing, but it's a much simpler version. Okay? This is the definition that I want to give this morning for this. Inertia is the tendency of something to do nothing or to remain unchanged. It is the tendency of an object or a person or anything to do nothing. It doesn't want to move, or if it's moving, it wants to stay moving at the same rate, the same pace. I have an example of this here this morning. Uh, we, we have uh, inertia. Uh, Ryan, I, I need you up here this morning. Yeah, hop up. He, give, give Ryan a hand this morning, right? Since he didn't volunteer. All right, uh, so I need you just to hold this. I need you to hold it really, really still. You might be nervous this morning. So this ball... I have to tip it back a little bit. Wants to stay still. It has inertia. Ryan's a little bit nervous. I see it moving a little bit, but I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. He's not nervous. Uh, it's just hard to hold it still. But it wants to stay still. And so inertia means it, wants, it doesn't want to move. Unless I move this. But even if you move it, the ball still wanted to stay. Right? Thank you, Ryan. Give him a hand. That's awesome. It's really hard this morning, isn't it, Ryan? I know. All right? It's good stuff. Hardest thing you've done all day. Okay? That ball, when I pull the envelope out, its inertia says, I want to stay sitting here. And so it does. Even when there's a force enacted upon it, when I pull the envelope out, even when I pull the envelope out, the ball says, nope, I'm staying here. And as a result, then there's nothing underneath it, and it drops into the cup. It's one of the best examples of inertia. You look at science and physics teachers, they'll use that all the time. Okay? The interesting thing is with inertia is, you guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? All of us as people also have inertia. We're moving at a certain pace through life. Or some of us are literally standing or sitting still in life. We don't want to do anything different than what we're doing. We like our routine. We like the way that we go to work. We like the same coffee that we get at the same place at work. We like talking to the same person and seeing the same person who gives us that coffee every morning before work. And we always arrive two and a half minutes late because we just can't do anything different. We have inertia. I'm the same way. I have patterns. I have routines in my life. I can't seem to change. And it's just difficult. And so we all have inertia. There's another truth of inertia. And I kind of demonstrated it here just, uh, just a second ago with Ryan holding the cup. But notice that the ball does not gonna, is not going to do anything unless there is some force enacted upon it. It is going to sit still unless something happens. Wind comes or some pastor pulls an envelope out from underneath it or whatever the case is. It is going to stay the same unless some force is enacted upon it. Well, the interesting thing is we're all the same. We will stay the same. We will keep doing exactly what we're doing unless we allow some force to be enacted upon our lives. And in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is talking about this dynamic. He's he's talking about what it looks like when we have the power of Christ in our life. When we accept Jesus, then there is a force that is enacted upon us and we will change. Let me read to you what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 14. It says, either way, he's kind of talking about this power. It says, either way, Christ's love 
controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, or in other words, for all people, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. That would also mean change. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Again, change. Who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. There's some change. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone A new life has begun. Essentially, what we could put in there many times is the word change. What what Paul is talking about, the Apostle Paul is talking about is, once you bring Christ into your life, your inertia is forced to change. Because there's been a force enacted upon you. Now, you chose Christ, you brought that force on you, but that is a change. Uh, most of you know that I love mountains. Uh, if you've been to Northridge at any length of time, I talk about mountains about as much as I talk about cookies. All right? I mean, that's just the way it is. I love mountains. I love hiking in them. I love backpacking. I love camping. I love climbing. Um, I love, you know, bouldering. I love summiting. I love conquering mountains. I love it. And today, you kind of figured out, today, the topic is conquering the mountain. And so I bring that up because one of the most intense and one of the most sought-after mountains to conquer, this is an obvious one, is Mount Everest, right? You guys have heard of Mount Everest. You've, you've seen movies probably about Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the highest point that you can get on our planet without leaving the ground, okay? It, without leave, taking your feet from planet Earth, this is the highest point that you can get to on our planet. It's literally over 29,000 feet of elevation, To put that in perspective, that's five and a half miles straight up from sea level, okay? Serious elevation. So as a result, a lot of people want to conquer this mountain, and they try to every single year. We have tons of people that go and try to conquer Everest. Now, of course, only a few ever actually make it, but that's what they try to do. Now, here's the reason I bring that up. In order to conquer Mount Everest, in order to conquer this mountain, especially the tallest mountain in the world, It requires an incredible, massive amount of training, as you might guess. If you love mountains like I do, and I do, so I've done this, if you go online and you research what it would take, what it would look like to climb Mount Everest, which, yes, I have done, done more than once, if you look at it and you research it, the experts, the ones who have actually been on Everest and conquered Everest and will take you up the mountain, their expeditions, they will suggest that you need at least just a minimum of six months of hard, very intense, massive training to be able to do this. Most of them actually suggest that a year is really the minimum. Some go as as little as six months, but most even say a year's worth of training. Now, within that training, you're going to do physical training. You're going to do cardiovascular. You're going to have to increase the capacity of your heart the flow of blood through your body because you're going to be at an incredibly high elevation. So you have to be in better shape. You have to get physically stronger. You literally have to work your muscles to the point where they can handle a much higher load at a much lower level of oxygen. So you have to physically work out. You also have to eat better. You have to change your diet. You have to change what your intake is for several months in advance. That, uh, that, in addition to, you have to train yourself mentally. In fact, most of the experts will tell you, you go online, they'll say that the mental 
training, the mental preparation for this is actually just as important, if not more important than the physical, because your mind will stop you before your body is ready. Your body can go further. And so the mental training and all this kind of stuff. In fact, you, and that's just the basic stuff. You also have to spend hours and hours walking around on something. Maybe you guys have heard of these called crampons. Anybody ever heard of crampons? Okay, that's what crampons are. They literally strap down to your boots and, uh, and you put them on and they help you traverse over uh, ice fields and boulders, bouldering, um, snow fields, all that kind of stuff. You have to get through all these things. And that is not, I don't know how many of you walked on things like that lately. Right? Ladies, I don't know if you have heels that are quite like that. Okay? I've never tried walking on heels, but I also haven't done crampons either. So you have to spend hours walking around on this. The basic gist of this, you guys are catching it. It takes a lot of training to conquer the mountain. It takes a ton of training to conquer the mountain. You have to be an incredible physical, mental, and emotional fitness in order to conquer Everest or any huge mountain. The same is true for you and I, though. If we are going to conquer our mountains, and by the way, we all have Everest in our lives, don't we? We all have mountains in our lives that we have to conquer. Not necessarily physical ones, but spiritual ones, emotional ones, relational ones, career ones. We all have mountains that come up in our lives and that we have to face. And the big difference with this is this. We don't necessarily know that we're going to have to face a mountain. All of a sudden you get that call. We've gotten those calls, haven't we, that kind of devastates you. That's a mountain. It was a mountain that was not there just a few seconds ago, but then you get that call, and all of a sudden there's a mountain. And all of a sudden you have to climb it, or you have to find a way to conquer that. And all of a sudden it hits. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be uh, the loss of a job. It could be maybe something happens in your life that changes your lifestyle, and you were not prepared to lose the lifestyle that you had for the lifestyle that now you have to accept. It could be uh, somebody does something or says something. It could be, uh, there's a, there, we could go on and on. But we all have mountains in our lives, don't we? All, we all have Everest. And the difference is some people train for Everest to conquer that mountain, but we have mountains in our lives and we don't know when they're going to show up. We don't know how big those mountains are going to be. We don't know uh, how to traverse them, how to get around them, how to get up them. And the difference is, though, that the good news, even though we don't know what the mountains are going to be or when they're going to show up, we can train for them. The good news is that we can train for them. And God helps us with that because you know what our training manual is, right? You know what our training manual is for our mountains in life? This is our training manual. And and just like when uh, I try to put stuff together without the training manual... (laughs) It's just disastrous, let me just tell you. When I, when I don't, you know, Laura will say, you probably should look at the directions. And I'm like, uh, you know what? Those things, they always are made by somebody else who doesn't know me, and I'm not sure if they know, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, and it ends up at some point, I go back to the directions. <laughs> I was like, uh, I have like five bolts left. I'm sure they're not important. We have a training manual for life, and it's God's Word. 
And so God really describes everything that we need to know about us and about him and about our lives in this training manual. So let me give you some, some examples of training things that we can do to conquer the mountains before they ever arrive. Uh, let me give you several examples. I'll give you four this morning. Uh, the first one is this. We need to get into God's word. We need to start reading it. We need to start studying it. We need to actually open it up. Okay? I've said this many times before. If the only time you hear God's word is on Sunday morning, you're way short of where it has to be. God has given this to you and me and all of us so that we can learn how we operate in life. Let me tell you uh, what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 about Scripture, about God's Word. He says, all Scripture is inspired by God. I want to pause there for a moment. You know what that means? That means that everything in here, God wanted it to be in here. That's what that means. Inspired by God is just kind of a weird phrase. It was inspired by God. God wanted this to say this. Okay? So that's what God's word is, inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's exciting, isn't it? It corrects us when we are wrong. Woo, bring it on. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip. We could use the word train his people to do every good work, including conquering mountains. So what this is saying is God's word is powerful. Scripture is incredibly powerful. Let me tell you just a practical version of this. Um, In fact, this just happened. I wasn't even planning on bringing this up, but this just happened uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, Somebody was throwing out a Facebook message. You know how you can put a whole bunch of people on a Facebook message string to invite people to things and this, that, and the other? So I was included on this Facebook message because there's a family that was asking for prayer from a bunch of people all at once for this other family that they were good friends with that was going through a mountain experience. They were, they were tackling a mountain. I won't get into what it was because it's a very personal thing. Very intense, very life-threatening. Very intense thing. And so they threw out this Facebook message to say, I want you guys, can you guys pray for, uh, for us? And, and if you would, just you know, any encouragement that you have for this family, and we were going we're gonna to go visit them. And so any encouragement you have, any prayers you have would be really most welcome. And what, you know what really is awesome? I know like out of the 20 or 30 people that were on this email, on this Facebook stream, I knew probably four people. I didn't know hardly any of them. And I just happened to be included because I was, happened to be one of the ones that they asked to pray. And so I was, I was excited for that. But within, over the next few hours, people started throwing prayers and they started throwing scripture passage verses, tons of them, in this Facebook stream. And, and let me just tell you what happened. They went and they visited and they brought those, those, uh, those scripture passages to the family that's going through that mountaintop experience. And they said they were incredibly encouraged by the words that were shared. But can I tell you something that was really cool? I was reading all those passages as well. I know most of them. But I was incredibly encouraged this last week because I got to read those. And they weren't for me. And yet they were. We need to start viewing this as not a book. It looks like a book, and it has words in it like a book, but we need to stop thinking about this as good stories. And we need to start thinking about God's Word as what it really is. It's alive, and it's incredibly powerful, and it will change you if you let it. If you don't, you're just going to stay still, and you're going to drop into a cup. 
But if you really start getting into God's word, it will change you. Which is why a lot of people don't like to get into here. Because they have that inertia thing going on. And we understand. So I encourage you, maybe one change you can make is to get into God's word. Let me toss another one out. Prayer. Prayer is very simply our connection to God. It's, it's our communication with God. And as we've said before, it's talking to God, definitely. You saying, telling him your fears, telling him your emotions, telling him your questions. God, why this? God, how am I going to do this? Can you help me with this? All that stuff, yes, that's prayer. But prayer, there's another big part of prayer, and we talk about it all the time. It's also listening. Can I encourage you to do something in your prayer life? I've mentioned this before. Let me encourage you and challenge you to do something in your prayer life. Stop talking very much and just start listening. Some of the most incredible times I've had with God are when I asked him one or two questions and then I said nothing else. Some of my best prayer times with God is when I said basically nothing and I let God do all the talking. Now, I didn't hear him like I hear you guys. But I do hear him through how he impresses and gives thoughts and ideas and the different things of what I know I need to do in my life. And it usually is stuff that I've known for a long time. And sometimes it's stuff that I didn't know. And he brings it fresh and new and I was not aware of. Let me share uh, Philippians 4, 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I don't know about you, but everything kind of covers quite a bit. That's a lot of stuff. It's everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Here's the interesting thing about prayer. The more you pray, the more you're training yourself so that when a mountaintop comes, when you run into a mountain, when you get that call, when something ends that you didn't want to end, when the mountain shows up in your life, you know what is really cool? If you've been praying, you know what really happens is now when that mountain shows up, you know who to call, how to talk to him, and how to listen to him. You already know. It's not like, you know, when something comes up and you're like, okay, I need to figure out who to talk to. I need to call somebody. I don't know what their number is. Nope, you've already got that because if you've been praying, you've already been training. And so you know who to talk to, how to talk to him, and you know how to listen to him. Prayer is powerful when you start training a little bit better with it. A couple more examples. Church. Um, church, you guys know that we meet together on Sundays, but this is really not church. Okay, we say we go to church, but church, remember, is a group of people. When God thinks of Northridge Church, he does not think of the Village Center. He doesn't think of 9 and 1030. He doesn't think of Bearded Dragons. (laughs) He doesn't think Double Dog Dare. He doesn't think any of that. He thinks of you. And he thinks of me. Because church is a group of people. A group of people that is trying to seek after what it looks like to follow Christ in the best way possible. So when I talk about church, one of our greatest training exercises is to get together with the church. That's why we do this on Sunday mornings, okay? Is so that we get together and we interact and we pray for each other, we encourage each other, we talk to each other, we worship together. It's important to do this, but church is far more than this. It is when we get together in coffee and, and lunch and we see each other out at work and we see each other at Target and we go this and that, we see each other at the different games or the football game on Friday night, whatever it is. We are the church and we don't stop being the church when we walk through these doors. We are still the church when we leave here. 
And we need to think of it that way. And so one thing that we can do to train ourselves is to be as consistent, as to be involved, as to be connected to the church, which is the group of people, as we possibly can. Let me read Ephesians 2.20. It talks about this. Together, it says, we are his house. We being the people. We are God's house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which is simply the first church, the earliest church. And the cornerstone, the whole key to this deal, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. One of the reasons we meet together is because God tells us to. Together, we are the church. God does not have any of us here by accident. We didn't just, whoops, we ended up at the village center today. What's going on? Oh, it's church today. Cool. Did you know that God's spirit is behind that? I've told you this before. I have many people come in on Sunday morning and they tell me, they say, I have no idea why I'm here, but I'm just supposed to be here today. And I've never met them. They've never met me. Maybe they've never, for a lot of times, they've never even heard of Northridge. You know what that is? That's God drawing them into a place where he knows they need to be. It's powerful. And it's a form of training for us. Let me give you one more example. Life groups. Tanya talked about these. Life groups is very simply a a small meeting within a meeting. It's where we meet together. Some of us we meet in homes. Some of us we meet in uh, a restaurant or a coffee shop. We meet, we have life groups all over the place and all different times throughout the week. And we're going to be getting uh, information to you about that very soon. So, but I want you to consider this. Life groups is one of those things where we really try to dig into life and do life together. We talk about things here on Sunday morning, like we're talking about conquering the mountain, but in life groups is where we talk about what this looks like. We get into the details. We get into the nitty-gritty of this. We start talking about what this means. What does this mean when I parent? What does this mean when I go to work every day? What does this mean when I get angry at my spouse? What does this mean when we get into that stuff? This is when we get into the meat of things. And, uh, and let me just tell you, because uh, some of you I know you're scared of life groups. I understand that. I, can I just confess? For me, going into a new group of any kind of people, and I've done that a lot since planning a church, uh, and so I've had to be out of my comfort zone a lot. When, whenever I go into a new group of people, I, I'm nervous about it. I'm apprehensive. I may not come across that way because I, I talk a lot. Have you noticed that, that I talk a lot? But realistically, underneath, I'm actually more introverted than extroverted. I have some extrovert tendencies. I do get energy from people, but I tend to be more nervous about new settings and new groups than, than most people would probably realize. And my guess is a lot of you are as well. Let me just con- challenge you to consider joining a life group. I know that it's scary. To walk into somebody else's place and you don't know the people and you don't know how they're going to be, what they're going to be like. Are they going to be strange? Are they going to smell weird? You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you guys have thought that. Come on now. We never say it out loud, but you think that. Is their house going to be clean? We think all kinds of things, but there's a reason why it's important not just to meet on Sunday mornings, but to continue to meet together and have relationships together. Let me share Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. 
This is why we meet together in life groups. Because God has created us to sharpen one another and help each other train to do this life with Christ. So I challenge you, I can maybe consider that that maybe is a change that you need to make. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with this training that we have to do because the mountains are coming. Maybe you're already facing them. Some of you, you are. You have mountains and you're trying to climb it and you're exhausted from it. I understand. God understands. But let me just tell you, the hardest thing about training, any training regime, why do we train? Why do we have to train for things? Why do you have to train to drive a car? Why do you have to train in order to ride a bike? Why do you have to train to conquer the mountain? Why do you have to train when you get a new job? The reason is because we have to change. Training is very simply, it gives you something, it teaches you something that you didn't have before, or it teaches you a different way to do something that you've already been doing. Isn't that what training is? Essentially, that's what training is. It's adding something new that you've never done before, or it's changing the way that you've been doing something that you know needs to change and be different. The problem is, it's change. And we have inertia. We don't like change. That's just all there is to it. I mean, even when I get into my, in my, my office and I sit down at my desk, I know if my kids have been in there. That was not there. That should not be there. And it could be a couple of inches, but it's changed and it drives me nuts. Now, you look at my desk and Laura would say, are you kidding? It's not organized worth a hoot. And, uh, and she's right. <laughs> I mean, I know where everything is, but it's stacks and piles and all this kind of stuff. But I know where it's at. I can go there and three papers down, tucked underneath the cardboard. There we go. I got it. It's hard to change. It's hard to set the alarm a little bit earlier. It's hard to sit down and pray when I haven't been praying my whole life. It's hard to open the Bible when I'm not sure where it's at. It's on a shelf somewhere. I know it is. I'm just not sure entirely where it is. I think it's in my nightstand tucked underneath all the other books. It's hard to change, isn't it? Can I tell you why it's really important to change, though? Change is hard, isn't it? If change was easy, we'd just do it. Like, after this this message, you guys would just go home and you'd just be like, oh, all right, so I need to do some of this stuff differently. Done. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to do it. And, and you're done. Like, change is just like, ha, that was simple. I just needed somebody to tell me what to do. <laughs> Very good. We all know it's not because we never have heard this. We know it's because it's hard. Let me share with you a passage that's really intense. And it's the reason that it really is necessary for us to take the harder path and not the easier one. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus talking here. It's, it's actually one of his sermons. Jesus is preaching, on, uh, not on the Sunday morning, but he was preaching. Okay? This is one of his sermons. At the end of one of his sermons, so he's wrapping it up. It's really important. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. It's hard and only a few ever find it. Now that's intense. What Jesus is saying is, if we don't train, 
If we don't get serious about making changes in our life, what we will do is we will simply go down the big, huge path that everybody else is walking and we'll be like lemmings or be like cattle. You know where my mind goes with this stuff now, don't you? Okay, But that's what we do. We have a huge path that's going toward you know whatever, the biggest amusement park we've ever seen flowing with whatever we want and it's lighted signs, big arrows saying, come over here, it's going to be awesome. And on the other side of the hill is hell. And everybody's like, woohoo! And but once it's too late, it's too late. And God says, Jesus is saying, there's a narrow path, it's the harder way, it's not where everybody else is going, but that's the one that you need to take, and we need to train hard to find it and stay on it. So the question becomes very simply, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, let me give you the challenge this morning. Let me give you the double dog dare this morning. We double dog dare you to make the change that will change your life. And I don't mean tomorrow, I mean actually today. We double dog dare you today to make the change that will change your life. At the beginning, I had you write something down. I want you to get your paper out. Now, after going through all of this this morning, some of you, what you wrote down is correct. You've got it. It's already there. It's a done deal. Some of you, God has been speaking to you and you need to write something different down. Or maybe you need to write something in addition to that down. Okay, whatever that is, here's my encouragement to you. Um, it might be to, you know, to do some of the things we talked about, getting into the word, prayer, some of these other things, whatever it is. But some of you, God's been speaking to you and you know there's something else that you didn't write down. In fact, for some of you, here's, here's, a, here's, here's something that I would guess happens because I know because I've done this. I've done this many times. God told me to do something else, but then I had another thought come in that's easier, and so I wrote that down. The first thing that popped into my head was much harder, and I didn't want anybody to know about it, and I didn't want to deal with it, and so I wrote the second thing down because it's easier. You, just, you know what I just read about the easier path, right? You can't take the easier path. So if you need to change what you wrote down or if you need to add to it, my encouragement to you right now is write it down. Because what is on that piece of paper is quite likely, quite possibly, maybe even more than likely is the change that you need to make starting today. Some of you, what's on that paper is going to be hard. It's uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. Because why is it difficult? To make a change is difficult because why? Because you have to make another change. For example, if you know that you need to get into God's Word on a daily basis, and right now you maybe open it once a week, or maybe you don't open it at all, here's the problem with that. In order to make that big change, you have to make another change. You know what that change is? If you're not reading your Bible ever, then what you're doing is there's something else that you're doing instead of that, right? 
It's not that you're just like all of a sudden you don't exist on earth for a while and that's why you can't read your Bible. It's that you're doing something else. You're doing Facebook or you're watching TV or you're, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're sitting in the evening and you got the TV on, but you're not actually doing anything. You're sitting there and you're staring off into nothing and doing la-la, which is nothing. Okay? You remember when I talked about the nothing box? I go to my nothing box as constantly as possible. You know why? Because I love doing nothing. It's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay? And so uh, it, what has to happen for some of you, you have to give up some of your nothing box time. And you need to start doing something like reading God's word or praying or inviting somebody to church or whatever it is that you put down on that paper. You see, change is hard because we have to give up or change something that we're already doing that we kind of enjoy. If we didn't enjoy it, we probably wouldn't be doing it because we naturally drift that way. So my challenge to you is this morning, you've got something on that piece of paper. My challenge is, whatever that change is, you need to make it, and you need to make it today. Because if you're like me, and I'm just, you've gotten a lot of windows into my soul this morning. But if you're like me, what I'll do is I'll be, man, this is good. I need to do this. Thank you, God. And I'll put it on my desk, or put it next to my bed, or stick it in my Bible. It's in my Bible, so it'll fruit from that stuck in my bible man god's gonna do awesome stuff if i stick it in there (laughs) and and several weeks go by or several months go by and you'll find that piece of paper crumpled up somewhere and go oh i never even did anything i know because i've done that so whatever the change is make it today because otherwise if you go to tomorrow i can all i can't promise but i can almost guarantee it's gone It won't happen because the intentions are there, but it has to be followed up with action immediately. So I dare you to make the change. I double dog dare you to make the change that will change your life. And let me tell you two things that you need to do with it. First, first, you need to make sure you wrote it down. (laughs) You need to make sure you wrote it down. But beyond that, you need to share that piece of paper. You need to share that change with somebody else. And really better than that, a lot of other someone else's. Why? We all know why. Because if other people know about it, they can hold us accountable. And they can say, hey, weren't you going to change that? How many of you like when people ask you that? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. But what's really cool is when I put that on somebody else, on other people that do care about me, truly love me, they'll bring it up. And even though I don't like it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them that I love them and, and I'm thankful for that. Because they know the changes I need to make too. So share it with somebody and then can you do something else, the second thing. When God changes your life because of this change, and he will, he will. When that happens, be sure to tell your story. Share it with others. Share it with with me. Share it with Northridge. We'd love to hear how God works because God is working and he's doing amazing things, but we want to hear it from you. So I dare you to change this morning. Make that change. Don't let that green paper go anywhere else other than into your heart. And make that change starting today, whatever it is, no matter how scared you are about it. Take that step, whatever that step is for you to make that change, take it today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you 
for talking to us about difficult, hard things in our lives, things like change. Pray that you would help us to be strong and bold enough to change. That you would help us to have the courage to do what we need to do. Some of us, we're here and we just, we don't want to do it. We're bucking this and we don't want anything to do with change. We don't want to do it. We're, we're pushing against it and we're saying no to you right now. I pray that you would just, I pray that you surrender that heart. Anybody that's in here that's like that, I pray that you'd surrender their hearts. For those of us in here that we, uh, we know we need to make a change, but we're not sure if we can. Maybe we're not sure how committed we want to be to it. I pray that you would resolve that in them and that you'd help them to make the change and do it today. And for those of us in here who are ready to make the change, we know we're, we've already committed to you in this service. We, we've already said, God, I'm all in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this as soon as I leave here on the way out. I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to continue and to persevere through that. And God, when we find the changes that you make in us because of this change that we're willing to offer, may we share our stories and may we glorify you because of what you do through us. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a great